Welcome everybody, it's great to be together and I pray this message will really bless you wherever you are and uh, just praying that the Word of God would be able to impact your life. Uh, Just uh, as we've been journeying through the Entrusted series, one of the things that uh, has happened to me personally is I've really felt incredibly overwhelmed by the generosity of the Equippers family, especially right around the world and what we've been able to do because people have really given and uh, sown into the vision of reaching nations for n- reaching nations for Jesus. And so I just want to, from my point or from my place, say thank you. And trust it is a, is a very powerful concept because when really we give our heart to Christ, we entrust our whole life to Jesus. It doesn't matter uh, what facet, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, everything we do is entrusted over to Jesus. And what I want to do today, just through this message, it will have areas which you will be able to pick up from, but it's not so much a teaching message, but uh, just a journey that God has taken me on personally. So there'll be some personal testimonies in it, but uh, when I started out as a young Christian, I remember actually hearing a message that really helped to define specific issues in my own life and in a way become, became a guidepost to what God wanted to do. And as I journeyed down that path, the way that God was able to bring adjustment and establish me in a place where I could receive the blessings of God. The scripture that uh, this preacher used was found in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13, which is quite often a scripture that is quoted, especially when we're talking about stewarding what God has entrusted to us. And I want to read it. It just says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also on much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust, uh, sorry, is unjust also on much. Therefore, if we have not been faithful and unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard these things and they derided him. And it's really interesting just to establish the concept. Here they were, Jesus talking to his disciples, but the Pharisees were in earshot of what he was saying. And they didn't really like the connotation of what Jesus was speaking, simply because uh, he he was provoking something within them. And the word derider is an interesting word. It's almost like they sneered or turned up their nose at what Jesus was saying, simply because they loved money. And also they were people who were looking to gain and get benefit out of the things that they did. And so Jesus was really, in a way, speaking to that. But he was also speaking important principles that are able to guide and direct our life into the abundance of what God wants to do so that we actually know the true riches of of the kingdom and not just begin to put ourselves in a place where we're just looking to gain money. And uh, I read an interesting quote, and I'm not so much into quotes, but it was uh, written by a man by the name of Henry Fielding. And he said, make money your God and it will plague you like the devil. But Jesus said, make money your servant 
and use today's opportunities as investments into tomorrow's dividends. And really what he's saying is, when we make money the object or the focus of our life, actually it has a negative impact on our life in so many different areas. And this is what I found when I basically had the scripture uh, ministered to me many, many years ago, uh, because one of the areas that I could see in my own heart, which God wanted to address, was this God of mammon or the God of materialism. And for me, it was something that I had grown up with, uh, having a desire to always be wealthy, to make money. And in a way, I look at it, it became a real God. And that God, God had to challenge when I opened my heart to Him. He had to begin to deal with it and had to really challenge and speak into my life. So I made the right adjustments so that I could focus on those things that really are important to the Kingdom of God. And one thing I've learned as I've gone down that journey is money is a, is a terrible master. But uh, when you make money uh, and set it in its right place, it becomes a powerful servant. And I believe that God really wants to place that into our hearts. As we realise what God's entrusted to us, we begin to receive the benefits of it when we keep Jesus and we keep Him centre of everything that we're doing. So the four areas that I just want to mention out of the Scripture, which you might have heard before because I think that they are quite common breakups of the Scripture. I just want to add one more to it. But the first one is that God is looking for us to be faithful in extending the kingdom, His kingdom. And when you get that right, you start to find that that becomes the centre of everything you do. Uh, it's not so much part of this scripture that we have read, but it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 to 31, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today, for the day, is its own troubles. And when you read the scripture, it's actually set in the context of people being anxious about money, what clothes they're going to have, uh, what the provisions are for tomorrow, uh, in our term superannuation, knowing how God would meet their need. And, uh, and, and Jesus comes in and he sets the scene. He says, Does not, do, do not I clothe the, the birds of the air and look after them? How much more will I look after you? And he comes in and he says, but if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll look after all those things. What you've got to do is just make sure your life is centred on me. And I believe that's such an important part of our journey when we, when, when we wanted to know the blessing of God and trusting to us uh, his kingdom, his purpose and the value of what He wants to release into our life. Uh, for Helen and I, uh, right in the beginning of our journey, uh, we decided to create a value. And that is that uh, uh, our value, one of the values we have is that God's kingdom purpose will always be paramount in our life. And when you place that there, it also becomes something that uh, helps you to centre, especially when you're making decisions about uh, where you're going to be, what God wants to do. Uh, so everything comes back to the kingdom of God. And it was a challenge, especially when we decided to go to London in 2001. Uh, we went simply on the basis that together kingdom purpose was one of the major focus of our marriage and what we were to do. It 
was a value that we held dear to our heart. And right through, we, we have always wanted to center our lives in into what God wanted rather than just looking at what would give us financial gain, what would give us benefit personally. If we centered in on the purposes of God, we absolutely are confident, we were confident that God would look after us. And I think one of the benefits actually of being older is we can now testify to that. It's not just the theory, now it's become a reality. And I believe that I can speak positively into your life. If you, you build God's house, He will always look after yours. And uh, that's our testimony. That's the power of putting God first in your life. But sometimes the enemy will want to come along and he will want to comp- help you to compromise in the very things that God wants you to do. And so going to London was a challenge for us because in a way uh, it was not going to be a financial benefit to us. We were giving, sowing into, into, into what God was calling us to do. And I remember at the time uh, we needed, I think, 100,000 New Zealand dollars to, to outwork what we felt uh, we needed to do. And I shared it with another pastor and uh, he really tried to rebuke me. He said, who do you think you are to take $100,000 and spend that on a mission overseas when there's so many pastors in need in New Zealand? And I looked at it and I said, well, really the most important area for us is to obey God and not just look at the needs in New Zealand. And if we serve God and put Him first, He will look after the rest. And I really believe that that's a powerful part. When we put Jesus first in our life, He looks after all the other things. We do not need to worry about them. God comes in. And I look on that step that we took is that how God came and He provided supernaturally in ways that Helen and I could never ever imagine or think simply because we put the kingdom of God first. The next area it just talks about and coming back now to the scripture in Luke is God really wants to work on our life. And this is, I think, not just for younger people, but older people also. And that is being faithful in little things. This is, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also a much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also a much. And uh, when you look at it, God is, is really interested in the little things. Sometimes we're looking at the big thing. We look at the platform. We look at the stage. We look at a big business or we look at people who are flourishing. But really, if you, you would analyse and study the journey of their life, somewhere along their, their pathway, they have been challenged in the little things. I remember one of the areas that God really had to deal with me was uh, as uh, as a young man would fudge the truth. I'm sure none of you would do that, uh, but fudging the truth, I suppose you could say, is lying. Um, I probably fudged the truth and just simply called it a white lie rather than a real lie. And that's how I sort of was able to, to work my way through it. It, was a, it wasn't for me a big thing, it was a little thing. And I went into a bank and uh, I fudged the truth in my presentation. And as I fudged the truth, I then signed a document and walked out of the bank. And as I was walking out of the bank, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, Bruce, go back and tell the bank manager you have just lied. 
And somehow I tried to rebuke the devil, but I knew the devil would never actually speak those sort of words into my life. And I managed to get out of the car and I sat in my car and the Holy Spirit spoke again. He said, Bruce, go back and tell the bank manager you have told a lie. Somehow I was able to push it away and not respond to it. Uh, I got home and went to bed, woke up having my devotion and uh, I was uh, coming through. And it's, it, it, when you put yourself in the presence of God, it's really interesting how the Holy Spirit will sometimes bring to your mind, your memory, that which is important to God. So God was dealing with a little thing in my life, which really would have massive repercussions later on. And I remember him speaking to me again. He said, Bruce, go back today and tell the bank manager you told a lie. And then he said he had a little bit extra in the morning, which he didn't put the day before. Perhaps I wasn't alert to hear it. But he said, if you don't go back to the bank manager and tell him, uh, and tell him you told a lie, uh, you will struggle to hear my word from now on. You'll struggle to hear me. Now, it was a little thing, but if you looked at the little thing, it would have massive repercussions and I remember getting in the car, bank opened at nine o'clock, going back, walking in very sheepish, very ashamed uh, to the bank manager, got an appointment early in the morning and just went up to him and just said, look, yesterday when I was here, I fudged the truth. I didn't really tell you what is right. And he laughed. He just said, oh, people come in here every day and do the same thing. He said, um, you know, don't worry about it. But in a way, I, 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 I'm pleased I went back. I, I heard what he said. But actually, I walked out free because I had obeyed God in a little thing, which actually was preparing me for bigger things. And so often in life, we actually, we, we negate those little things because we don't think they matter, but they actually become the platform for God, what God wants to do in the big things later on. And I often say to students, you know, show me your bedroom and I'll see whether you can run a church or not. Because if you can't look after your bedroom, if you can't steward the things that God's entrusted to you, which you think, well, nobody else can see, but no one else can matter. Well, in my case, no one else really could see, but I knew my human heart and I knew what God wanted to do and I knew what God was saying, but He was preparing me for something greater. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how you don't learn quick because I fudged the truth another time after that and the Holy Spirit spoke to me again and said, go back and just tell that man you told a lie. And really it's a good, good medicine really because I hate telling lies because I know what the Holy Spirit will do. Go back and tell that person you've just fudged the truth and you've told a lie. And you know, they're little things, but the little things really matter much. And how we look after our life and the things that God's entrusted to us are really vital if you want to receive more in your life. And the proverb just says in chapter 24, verse 30, it just says, I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well and I looked on it and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So sure your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And really those are powerful instructions because really in the end, people who live like that particular proverb that, that uh, Solomon was speaking about are the ones who actually despise people who are blessed. 
They sit back in their armchair and they waggle their finger and they make judgments and get the person is blessed. But yet they won't get off their backside and look after what God's entrusted to them now. The little things will determine how you grow in the big things and they're very, very powerful and very important. The third area is when we are faithful in unrighteous, uh, sorry, faithful in, in unrighteous mammon. It just says, therefore, you... If you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And really my simple definition of mammon is when we put that above God. Mammon is literally elevating money or elevating material things. That becomes the God of your life. It's not a, it's not a nice God to serve. But what God wants to do is He has to shift that so that we are able to put him into his rightful position. And when you you do that, money actually then becomes your servant. It doesn't become your master. But you look in life how many people are really controlled by this God of mammon. Sadly, in the church, many Christians are because they haven't allowed God to deal with the attitude. As I said, for me, I grew up knowing that God of mammon, the God of materialism. And it, it, it is a mean master because, because when you put a God in in, in its place, you will start to sacrifice and serve it. And the one thing about the gods of the world, not our God, not the God of Jesus Christ, but the, these, these other gods, when you, when you start sacrificing to them, they don't care whether you get into debt, into bondage, you're bound by stuff. They, they just want to lead you in a path where they're in control of your life. They don't care whether you get massive debt on your credit card because they just want to control your destiny. They want to control your future. They want you to limit you from doing the things that God's called you to do. That's what the God of mammon does. But what God does, He actually tests us in that area. He will say, if you look after, uh, if you're able to be faithful in the money that I entrust to you, I will actually be the one who will entrust to you the true riches. And I believe that's where in our life's journey, God wants to make adjustments in our heart. He tests us in this area. Why? Because He really does want to bring blessing to our life. So there will be a point in your life where you are tested. Uh, you can go back and, and you just see that God puts pressure on it. Uh, just a couple of Proverbs, it just says in Psalm, uh, Proverbs 22 verse 9, it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. So God really tests us because He wants to take us from, from withholding to a point of generosity. And Proverbs 28 verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. These are Proverbs, these are scriptures that really help us to understand what God wants to do within our heart. I remember when our children were younger, teaching them just the simple principle of tithing. Why? Because I, I, I knew that money has the power to control. And just teaching them, come on, if you get a dollar, just give 10 cents of that to Jesus. Because I, I believed if I could teach someone at a young age, they would know how to steward that right through their life. They would learn the principle of generosity. And I believe that my, my children have been blessed because they understood that principle. And uh, I believe that so often we, we, we get this mindset, we think, well, when I've got a lot of money, I'll start giving. Well, people don't. It's when you're faithful with the little you have and you start 
finding that place of generosity, you will start to see how God comes in and He blesses you. People who are unfaithful with this area will always be unfaithful with the true riches that God entrusts to them. And I think sometimes we've got to stand back and say, well, what really are the true riches? Because there's a, a lot of ungodly people who are very wealthy, but ungodly people who are very wealthy many times or most times don't actually know what the true riches are. And the true riches really, for me, uh, if you're to go through it, are health. They're actually having a, a marriage that is blessed. The true riches are having a family that honours and connects with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. The true riches are actually being content. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're blessed with, with a, a provision that's, we'll say, five star, or you're, you're sleeping in a tent. It doesn't really matter. There's a spirit of contentment. That, that, they're the true riches. The true riches are maintaining an attitude of joy. It doesn't matter what's happening in your world. They're the true riches. Uh, coming to a point where you understand the wisdom in the heart of God. That's the true riches, getting an understanding. They're the true riches. That's what holds you. And other areas when you understand this, when it comes to standing before God in heaven, those are the things that God will look upon. He won't look upon your wealth. He won't look upon your house, your boat, your materialism. He looks, even though all those things are not wrong in themselves, but the moment they're put in a position where they're elevated above God, they actually become a snare that works against you rather than for you. So God will actually test us. He will take us on this journey where He will challenge us to be faithful with unrighteous mammon, developing the spirit of generosity. Why? Because if we develop that, we will start to develop a generosity in our marriage with our children. We'll start to develop a, a generosity with people that we're in friendship, relationship with. And that, that, those is, that's where the, the true riches begin to come into play and they come into their own, uh, own place. Uh, the final one is that, that we're faithful in that which is another's. This is so, so, so important because when we can learn to serve the vision or we can serve the life of someone else, uh, God just basically says, then He will look at us and He'll say, I'll give, you my, I'll give you now your own. Why? Because you've been faithful in serving someone else. And it's a big area. And, and uh, you know, today, if you're younger, uh, uh, don't just look for your own platform in life. Learn to serve where you are. Because learning to serve where you are will develop characteristics that will develop areas in your life where you will be able to uh, position yourself for your own. Um, I grew up, when I was growing up, I, I left school, I think when I was 17, and I worked for my dad. And, and looking back, my dad was a, a pretty hard not hard's probably the wrong word, but I, uh, he, he, he made us work. And so we had to get up a quarter to five in the morning, work through to six o'clock at night. We did that six days a week. I'd get a day off a month. And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty, pretty tight regime. It was a, you, you know, you had to work. But the, the good thing I look back in, in is that he taught me how to work. He taught me how to actually work through issues, not to give up, to keep pressing in. Uh, he taught me how to steward money right back there in the beginning, to, to look after uh, things that could be neglected because uh, I didn't take ownership of where I was. 
And so when I look at this whole journey of, of working and serving someone else, probably the, the word that I'd put around it is just maintaining a teachable attitude because you never know what you glean in those moments that are actually preparing you for what God wants to do when He entrusts to you your own thing. And uh, uh, many people know my story. At the age of 22, um, I was able to secure and buy a farm. And I believe that my father helped me because he saw how I responded to serving his vision, his life. He helped me. He knew that I was able to carry that responsibility well. And I believe that it's so important in life that we learn to serve others well. We learn to serve their vision. We learn to, to, to give of ourselves into that particular area of our life. So entrustment is a powerful area. Entrustment is, is about entrusting your life with this person, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter six, that we're now temples of the Holy Spirit. We're not our own, we've been bought with a price. So everything about our life now becomes owned by the person of Jesus Christ. That's the faith part. In fact, everything we have, we are but stewards of it. We can't say we're owners, we're stewards. And so God has entrusted to us. If you're a parent, God has entrusted to you children that you would bring them up in the ways of God so that they would develop in their path and that they would know the presence of Jesus. You've been entrusted with their life, not to fulfill your agenda through their life, but to help them to glean and to be motivated and to be equipped and, and, and challenged to pick up what their agenda is, what God's placed in their life. And that's what empowerment is all about. It's about God coming and He empowers us. He equips us. Why? Because He wants us to come to a place where we know His blessing and so that we are able to carry well the vision that He has placed upon our life. And so we're able to use every opportunity wisely. We're able to invest our money into resourcing that which will extend the Kingdom of God. We're able to live a life that is able to glorify Jesus in what we do. And in that journey, I know that uh, God will bless people and we can have nice homes, we can have a nice car. God doesn't look down that, uh, look upon that and He doesn't, he doesn't uh, scoff us because we're doing that. He wants to bless you. But what He can't work with is when we put those things above Him, when they actually become the central part of what our life's all about. And I believe that God wants to make those adjustments in the church of Jesus Christ so that we become an amazing channel of His blessing. We become a channel of the purposes of God. And so today I, I just pray that you would open your heart and you would look and just say, okay, am I faithful? with what God's entrusting to me? Am I faithful in, in extending the Kingdom of God through my life? Am I faithful in, in, in actually making sure the purposes of Christ are at the centre of what I do, central to everything that I do, every decision I make, uh, they become the central 
pivoting point where I work from rather than just looking at what's gonna give me the best benefit, but what does God really want? Am I also faithful in just the little things? The little things become big things. Sometimes the little things are really simply going to your wife or your husband and saying sorry when you need to say sorry or going to someone when you've lost your temper and you just need a backpack and go to that person and say, look, I am so sorry. Uh, what I did there was wrong. Uh, the little things are, are so important in life where you begin to actually address areas. For me, it was just fudging the truth. I got away with it by saying, oh, that's just a white lie. That's not a black lie. I don't tell black lies, but they fudge the truth. And really it is a lie. It doesn't matter what you say. And so when we begin to understand the purposes of God, we start to deal with those things. God never condemns us on the journey. But what He does have is He has principles that help to address areas in our life so that we can come to a greater platform, greater place where we can actually be positioned to serve Him and to reach out with the blessings that God has entrusted to us. And so today, wherever you are, I pray that you'd let this word minister into your life, that you would be faithful and unrighteous mammon. When you're challenged to give, you would think about it. You would consider it. Why? Because perhaps God is just provoking that unrighteous mammon in you. But when you start releasing it and giving it, something supernatural happens and you break through into a new level. But you're also faithful in that which is in others. You learn to serve the grace and the gift that God has placed in your life.